And, well, and what a good day to be here, the day after Christmas. It's good to see everybody. Uh, if you're new here or online, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And so I hope uh, most of you had a good week and good memories uh, with family that you're making. Uh, we remember for a long time, and uh, so I know we had a good Christmas as well, um, just a sweet time to be together with family, and we're still doing that throughout this week. So you may be taking part of your Christmas break and doing some more of that this week. So uh, I've been praying for you this week, um, that would be the case, and that uh, we would receive a special blessing um, getting to be together here on Sunday. Uh, and so we're in this series, uh, it's probably, I was telling our, our deacons we were meeting before to pray. Uh, it's probably one of my shortest, so three weeks, um, just to kind of encompass the Christmas story and, and what's going in, on in and around the Christmas story. Um, I begin to think about that, and when you look at a nativity set, you see certain characters, don't you? Um, you see Mary and Joseph, you got the shepherds, you got the, maybe the wise men, uh, you got baby Jesus laying in a manger, and maybe even like an angel, you know, propped up on a little stick, and uh, the little barn structure there, and so we all have those. Uh, but then we start to think about all the different people that God used in and around the Christmas story. Uh, there are quite some interesting characters and ones that really kind of help us better understand the story a little bit better, okay? Uh, and so today we'll be in Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. Uh, so we've got a little bit to get through, but I think we'll be able to do that pretty quickly here this morning. Uh, and so the phrase I want you to remember, uh, we should see it up there, uh, hopeful expectation fulfilled. So Simeon, uh, who's the character we'll be talking about today and this kind of his involvement in kind of finishing out the Christmas story, uh, was a guy who <clears throat> loved the Lord and was dedicated to him. We'll see some other attributes that he had, but uh, he had this one thing about him that I want you to notice. He had this hopeful expectation that was fulfilled. And so around Christmas, we, I think we have a lot of expectations, don't we? Uh, maybe about how things will go, uh, maybe in regards to the certain gift that we're anticipating or hoping to get, uh, or maybe a situation with a friend or family member. You know, we kind of go all over the place. We go to the Christmas parties, and specifically around this time of the year leading up to the end of the year, we try to get in all the different, you know, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters. And we try to see everybody, and not all those situations are perfect, but we always ask the Lord, or at least I do, leading up to those, God, would you give us times where we can go, we can be with our family members, where we can be in encouragement. Most of the time, you know, we'll see those people maybe once a year, maybe a couple times a year, and that's a time that we can have together to invest. And so Simeon, in a similar way, he had this hopeful expectation of seeing Jesus face-to-face, and he didn't know who he was or what he was going to look like, but Simeon operated in a different way um, than a lot of people at the time did in the Spirit, and so we'll see that. Uh, And so when I was thinking just kind of back to my hopeful expectation towards Christmas, uh, we always go back to, you know, being a kid, right? As adults, sometimes Christmas can be boring outside of Jesus. You know, we, we mainly kind of focus on our kids, right? And, and kind of trying to get that perfect gift or the clothing that they need for the new season. Uh, we put it under the tree and we just kind of look forward to them opening that. Uh, and so as I was thinking about that, I wanted to show you something. I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, it takes me back to a different hopeful expectation, now, um, probably many of you, you've experienced, you know, growing up and having one of these. Um, I had great memories of those little tykes 
uh, playset. You know, the little box one like you have up there, it kind of fits together and it's got the little slide that you got to, you know, be careful because it'll burn your leg on the way down, right? And uh, so uh, I remember about six years old, this is about 27 years ago, and uh, about six years old, um, <clears throat> I had this hopeful expectation. My parents started talking about this, this place that we were going to get, and I was looking forward to it, and then I got to go with my dad to the store, and we had this little, uh, I think it was like a 1992 Yugo uh, that we stacked it on top of, if you remember those it wasn't a good vehicle, you know, to carry a, a little tyke's playset on, so we, we strapped it to the top, and it, it was ridiculous, but I didn't care, right? I had bungee cords going, and just praying on the way back, you know, please don't fall off, right? Uh, let's get home so we can have endless entertainment with this thing, and so we got it home, put it together, and this hopeful expectation that I had for a gift that would really keep on giving, it wasn't quite like, you know, a piece of clothing that would wear out over time. I set it up inside, and it just seemed like it was endless over and over again. And you've probably had one of those type of gifts of your life. And um, as I think about those, probably most of us do go back to something like that as a kid. It's like hard to, hard to top those kind of memories, right, of those things that you get and the kind of participation you can have with family and friends with that. But I think in the same way, Simeon, he had this hopeful expectation for something that was way better, right, than any little tyke's place, that any wagon that you would get, any BB gun or whatever that might be for Christmas as a kid, that you look back and go, that was the best Christmas ever. But for Simeon, the best Christmas ever, it was the right after the first one when Jesus was born, and he's waiting in the temple like he had waited many times before, waiting on Jesus to show up. And so that's where we start the story. We know that Luke wrote this gospel, and something interesting that maybe you didn't know about Luke, of course, most of us would know that he was a doctor by profession, and uh, he actually ended, ends up writing uh, more of the New Testament than even Paul. So if you do some study, um, you'll see that Luke writes his gospel. He writes the book of Acts, uh, and then a lot of scholars say that he also wrote the book of Hebrews. So uh, Luke actually writes about 30% of the New Testament when Paul wrote about 26 27%. And so when we think about a character who had a lot of involvement, a lot of influence in the New Testament, uh, Luke was a guy who, who cared so much about making sure that people knew the truth. And that's what he was about. And so as he writes this Christmas narrative, of course, he's taking from all these eyewitness accounts, and he was one of those guys that was just like, okay, now what did you, what happened? Tell me all about it. What was your experience? And he puts this all together for us. And so after Jesus is born, we come to this place where Simeon's waiting in the temple for this moment, and he's going to not just um, uh, celebrate it himself internally, but he's going to be directly involved in what's going to happen with the dedication of Jesus. So um, let's jump into it. There's a few things I just want us to think about. Um, You can write down whatever you'd like, but um, this should be up on the screen. Uh, Fulfilled, and then you'll see the words law, sight, and so that the future can be Revealed. So there's just a couple of components to this, pretty simple, but it, but very influential for what Simon or what Simeon said. And so he first we see that the law has to be fulfilled. And so we start in verse 22, and it says, "And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord: Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord." to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And so what do Mary and Joseph do? Well, um, they they could have gone, well, we have Jesus, I mean, we have the Savior, 
in our arms. You know, we, we don't really have to do all those other things. We don't have to be bound to that, but they fulfilled the law first and foremost. And so if you look back to Leviticus 12, it talks about this um, ritual, the ceremonial uh, purification that had to take place. It would take place in the temple um, a certain amount of days after the child was born. And so Mary and Joseph find themselves back in the temple. It's about 40 days later after Jesus' birth. And they enter the scene, and they know what they need to do. They're going to offer the sacrifice for the cleansing for both Jesus and for Mary. Uh, And in this setting, there would have been a lot of people coming, and so they could have come in and out easily without maybe even anybody noticing. Uh, But Simeon noticed who they were. He was waiting for them. And the second thing here, we see the sight was fulfilled. So the law had to be fulfilled first of all. So Jesus came to uh, fulfill all of these things. Uh, and then uh, for Simeon, we're going to see that this sight was fulfilled for him. He was, it was like the, the greatest bucket list of all time. Many of us have those kind of things that we think about. Or, I just want to do that before I die. And Simeon was like, God told me I would see the Savior. And he's waiting for this moment. This was at the top of his list. He said, when that happens, we're going to see what he says, something interesting about it. And so his sight is fulfilled. And in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we don't know a lot about Simeon. He was, um, I think, one of the most influential characters leading out of the Christmas story, which is why we're talking about him today. He was an unlikely character, one that we probably haven't talked about a whole lot. And that's because when we look at Simeon, we don't know a whole lot about him. We can make some assumptions that may be true, but when we read this, there's some important things we need to think about, and why God would use somebody like this. It says he was righteous, devout, He was clearly patient, so he was waiting for the consolation of Israel for the Savior. We don't know how long he was waiting, and he had the Holy Spirit. So this list of qualifications, this list of characteristic traits for who Simeon was, uh, this would have been a pretty small amount of people that were like Simeon. In fact, I think there were very few like Simeon that were in existence during this time. And God used him for a special purpose. And so it says in verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God was using various ways to speak to people. It had been 400 years. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, when Zechariah first got the word from the angel. You know, he's in there offering the sacrifice. He's just doing his thing. He's thankful he's had this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to offer this burning of incense. And then an angel shows up. He's like, okay, what's going on? First time that God's communicated in 400 years to his people. And then we fast forward, really just a, a short time later, Jesus has been born, and now Simeon, who's been told by God, right? How many people have been communicated with through the Holy Spirit during that time? Not very many people, right? We got angels, we got the Holy Spirit working, so there's some things going on, and we don't know how long. Again, Simeon was waiting. Clearly, he was patient, and he's in this setting where he's waiting again. He's going, God told me. So it's going to happen, right? Anything that God tells us, we can count on. And Simeon, well, he knew this. So in 27, it says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So Mary and Joseph, like um, you know, many of us uh, from uh, our, our experiences, have brought our kids in, and we've dedicated them before the Lord. And so I don't know what your background is. Um, maybe it's been here in this church. And so we'll just kind of come up and do a, a little simple, hey, you know, we, well, we know we love God, and we know this little baby is going to have the opportunity to put their faith and trust in Jesus. It's going to be their decision later on in life, but we want to pray that we would be the best helpers 
in that direction. The parents, you'd give, be given strength to do that, uh, and then us as the church would do that. And so in a similar way, uh, this was taking place for Mary and Joseph, and they come in, and, and what are they going to do? Well, they're going to offer this dedication. And so Augustine, a church father, wrote this about Simeon. He said, the just Simeon saw Jesus with his heart because he recognized the infant. So Simeon was waiting. He was told by the Holy Spirit, he's there. He's like, it's today the day. It's today the day. And God keeps saying, not yet. Not yet. And Jesus shows up. He comes onto the scene as this little baby who, by all accounts, like we've said, could have been glanced over by many other people. But Simeon's operating in a different power. He's operating in the Spirit. Now, many of you, I'm sure, have experienced this before. Maybe um, God has uh, impressed something upon your heart at a time where like, nobody else knows what's going on. You're like, I need to help that person with this need. In fact, we had this, an opportunity this week uh, for the church to, to fill a need that was just kind of just came up out of nowhere. And I'm um, just so proud of our church for being able to do that. Uh, but that's an example. Like God works in our hearts and through the Spirit, which is inside of us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and He communicates with us to do certain things or to be aware of certain things. And so in the same way, Simeon, he's waiting, he's anticipating, and when he sees Jesus, he knows this Jesus, he's not like any other kid. He's special. He's the one that we've been waiting for. And the verse 28 says, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and I'll read you one uh, portion of one commentary I, wrote, uh, I read earlier about uh, what Matthew Henry said. Uh, he said, He took him up. This is Matthew Henry saying this about verse 28. He took him up in his arms to present him to the Lord to do either the parents' part or the priest's part. The ancients have said that he himself was a priest. Now, we don't see this in the text, but it'd be a pretty easy assumption to make that, so Simeon's there in the temple, and I, I can only imagine the setting, maybe even in modern day. Uh, imagine you're coming to dedicate your child to the Lord. So you say, we want to we wanna bring up, we want to make this commitment. Uh, and let's say, like some people have said before, oh, Simeon, he was just some other guy. You know, he didn't really have anything else going on. Just God talked to him. He just showed up at the temple one day. Well, I think Simeon was pretty involved in what was going on in the religious setting, uh, only he had the Holy Spirit. And so imagine you're dedicating your child, and, and somebody off the street walks in to church and goes, um, hey, can I, have, can I hold your baby? In fact, I'd like to dedicate them today. Um, most of us would probably go, uh, no, but <laughs> thanks for asking. And then maybe we'd be like signaling to the guys in the back, hey, who's this guy? Do we need to do something about this? But Simeon, who's there on the scene, probably was one of the priests operating in this function of dedication. Uh, and so I love this because he's there, he's ready to go, and he, he takes Jesus up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So something really special has taken place. Mary and Joseph are there. There's the dedication. Simeon's performing his part of this function, so he's blessing the Lord, and he's saying, hey, this child, God, you made a promise, and you fulfilled it. And now, in, our, in, in the presence of, of us, of those who are taking place, he says, now I can depart in peace. Has there been anything in your life, maybe you've had a hopeful expectation for something, uh, maybe it was to find your spouse, maybe it was to, you know, like when you had your first kid, like you, were, you had this hopeful expectation about that, about how it would go. Uh, and then uh, maybe the you know, next step, you're like, I got my dream job. And so we all have kind of these points in life that we're like, I want to get to that point where this thing takes place. And for Simeon, he knew his purpose, his, his operation in life, and really the point in which he knew, hey, I've completed what God wanted me to do, was this point, cross it off the top of the bucket list. And he, and he says, I can depart in peace according to your word. 
And then I think he says something even more influential. So he's fulfilled his part. He was, I've seen Jesus. Uh, I'm uh, performing the function, the dedication. And then he says something I want us to hang on to. And we'll look at one word today in the Greek. And so it's here in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. As you say, eyes have seen this really special baby. Yeah, God, thank you for letting me be here and be a part of this really kind of special thing that's taking place. No, he knew who Jesus was. The Spirit had already told him, and so he's holding him in his arms. He says, for I have seen your salvation. And this word here for salvation in the Greek, it's actually used four times in the New Testament. It's a particular form of this word salvation, soterios, and it means this bringing or this coming salvation. So like everybody else around Simeon, except for Mary and Joseph, they probably don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, there's Simeon again. Uh, yeah, I know he's been waiting for, this, for the Savior to show up, and he's like, he's here. I don't know if you guys knew, but he's here. And he's holding him in his arms, and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation, this coming salvation. It's going to be offered to all people. So we celebrated that this week. We, we, we tried to get, if we, especially if we have younger kids, um, them to understand what? That it's not about this hopeful expectation of the presence you're going to get. It's not about all these little you know, things that are going to entertain you for like a week or two or a month or however long. But we, we do this because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, we've gotten the greatest gift that anyone could ever get. The salvation, the soterios, that when, when Simeon says this, he says the salvation that is coming, and he's going to get more specific about what it's come for, what Jesus has come for. That's good news for us. And so, the, again, this word for salvation, soterios, it's only used four times in the New Testament. And we find it in Titus 2.11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So, so why did Jesus come? Why did he show up on the scene? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we tell our kids we've been looking forward to this and this hopeful expectation we've had of not just all the presents, not just all the gifts, not the family time that we get to have, but of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He gave us this greatest gift. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't go somewhere and find it and acquire it. And Simeon knew that. He said, we've got the greatest gift in all the universe that God has given us. You imagine that? I mean, I, I got... As a young parent, I, I thought about like when I first held Alana for the first time, like, oh my gosh, like this frail little tiny person, like what, I, I'm, I, what am I going to do? Like, I, I don't hurt her. Like, okay, all right, let's set her down again. Uh, but what, what do you think Simeon did? Mary and Joseph hand over God of the universe, and Simeon's holding him. Can you imagine that feeling, right? Oh, not just a baby, but the God of the universe. And so there's some special words. He says, uh, he's seen this salvation. And then he says in verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. So, and Simeon knows all this, right? He, he's a wise dude, right? He's, he, he, he's got the spirit knowledge of what's going on. He himself is righteous, but God's also told him these things. He's holding Jesus, said, I've seen him. My sight has been fulfilled. So the law's fulfilled, the sight's fulfilled. And in verse 31, it says, you've prepared this in the presence of all people. Like, they don't know it yet, but this salvation's come. This, fu- this salvation, this future salvation's coming. He's going to grow up, and man, I know what's going to happen. He's going to save the world, because that's what you told me, that you have prepared in the presence of all people. So, And God knew before the foundation of the world that man would choose to make the wrong decision, right? That we would all fall into sin, and that he would offer this free gift to us in Jesus. And Simeon's going, like... This is like the greatest point. This is like one of the greatest points in all of human history, and I get to be here and be a part of it. But most of us go, yeah, unlike the character Simeon, not super important. 
But he says some of the greatest words that anybody's ever said in the Bible. And so he says, you prepared this for all people. In verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. People were still trying to figure this out. Even after Jesus came and he he lived that sinless life and he died on the cross, he raised from the dead. And people were still going like the Jews and the Gentiles, they couldn't get along. They said, you don't belong to God. No, you don't. No, we're saved. No, we're not. And Simeon already knows he already knows the significance of this. He's, he's this coming salvation, this free gift, a light for who? The revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. So this no longer, this little baby Jesus, he no longer uh, is, uh, there's not going to be the separation of people. There's not going to be this, so you're in this group or you're in this group. No, everybody can belong to one family the family of God. That's why we can come into this place and it doesn't matter where you've been or, or who you are or what you look like or what other groups you hang out with outside of this place. We can come here and we go, we all belong to Jesus. And Simeon confirms this for us, this light of revelation of the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. There's this opportunity that's opened up for everyone. And then there's this future revealed. So all these things have to take place, this, um, this law and this sight. These things are fulfilled, and Simeon sees it, and he's like, done. I got to the end. Now I can die. And so now we have that this future can be revealed. And so Simeon's going to reveal part of it. And at times I think, oh, it would be nice if like, we just stopped there. Like Simeon's like, Savior's here. Awesome. I fulfilled my purpose. But he's going to share some things with us that are a little bit more difficult. As we close out the Christmas story, um, it's not going to be all rainbows and butterflies. He's going to have got some hard things to say, too. And if I was Simeon, I'd be going, let's just end it there, God. Savior of the world. But let's see what he says. And his father and his mother, in verse 33, it says, marveled at what was said about him. So Mary and Joseph, they knew the truth. They were anticipating this, but... In a big way, they really they didn't have any idea of what all was going to take place. They knew salvation was coming, but Simeon, he had this inside knowledge, this Holy Spirit knowledge that he shared with them. Now, you can imagine like a baby dedication, like all good words shared, like this is going to be awesome, child's going to grow up and serve the Lord. Yes, but there are going to be some difficult things that are going to take place that are necessary for our salvation. And so he says in verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. So can you imagine Mary and Joseph, their first kid, they're still on the cusp of this amazing journey. They're being, they're being told who Jesus is, and now Simeon's going, this is awesome, salvation is here, it's come. God, I can, I can die now because I've seen salvation in the incarnation. That's what we sang about in that hymn. We, we literally, we, he saw the incarnation, Jesus, the God-man, and he looks at him and he goes, and there's something else you need to know. This salvation, it comes at a price, a cost. Can you imagine being told that as Mary and Joseph are right there and, and they're going, wait, 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 what a second? Like, we know he came to save the world, but, but what are you talking about? Well, he says, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. So this plan for salvation, God didn't force this on us, right? He gave us this free gift. And what Simeon says, is there's going to be this fall and this rising, depending on what choice you make. So here's salvation. We can't say that it doesn't exist. It does. God sent Jesus. He offered it to everyone. But there's going to be this falling for some. Some people are going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear the Christmas story and go, that's a nice story. But I just don't know if I can believe it. 
And so God, as he's looking down, he hears those words, he hears those words from Simeon, he's going, yes. But then there's anguish, too, in his heart. And in Mary and Joseph's, too, as they're hearing this, they're going, oh, salvation's come, but some people are going to choose not to follow him. Some people are going to choose not to accept this. And then he says, so this fall and rising of many in Israel for, and for a sign as opposed. So but what's this instrument that was used? So we like to think about baby Jesus in the manger, and he's so cute and cuddly, and he's wrapped up in the swaddling clothes, and, and he comes to the dedication, and Simeon confirms this. The law's been fulfilled. The sight's been fulfilled. Simeon sees him, and he says, salvation. But there are going to be these things that are going to take place. Some are going to rise. Some are going to fall. And it's being used for through this sign that is opposed, this cross. And when they were looking towards what was going to happen, I'm sure Mary and Joseph were going, yeah, we, yeah, we know that it's going to come at a cost. So tell us about that. The sign that is opposed to the cross. So Jesus went up on this cross and he died for our sins. And it was a sign of opposition for, for all of the known world. It was how the Romans, they, they took somebody and said the worst person in all of society. In fact, the scriptures talk about this, that somebody who dies on a tree is cursed. Cursed is someone who dies on a tree. And so the Romans, they, they put him up on there. And, and Simeon, he, he knows all this before. He's going, hey, I've seen salvation, but here's what's going to take place. There's going to be some who are going to rise and fall. They're going to make their choice. As Romans 1 tells us that uh, no one has an excuse. So around this time of the year, we, we celebrate what Jesus has done, but we want to remind people. Like when we're around fr- friends and family, people that we don't see very often, we want to take that opportunity to go, like Simeon did, hey, we've seen salvation. We've seen this life that you can have, but you've got to make a choice. And so Simeon's going, hey, some are going to rise, some are going to fall. There's going to be this sign that Jesus is going to use. And some people are going to look at him and go, oh, man, what a waste. I can't, you know, I can't believe in that Jesus. But some are going to choose to believe. They're going to rise. And then he has this else to say in verse 35 as, he, as we close this out. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that, many, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So God's going to provide this way for us to have direct access to to him. And he's done this for us, but it came at a cost. And as Simeon's sitting there and he's dedicating the child, this this probably is not like many of the dedications you've seen before in church. And and, and people are celebrating, they're happy, and, and, and Simeon says, salvation's come, but here's what's going to take place. Here's what's going to happen in just a short while. Jesus is going to live this sinless life, but he's going to die on the cross, and it's going to come at a cost, and there are going to be those who are going to rise and fall, and Mary, specifically for you, can you imagine being Mary? I mean, just like emotion, like going through all this stuff, and she's been told the Savior's coming, and she sings her song about Jesus, and he shows up on the scene, the dedication happens, happens, and Simeon goes, because of this cost that's going to take place, there's going to be this sword. It's going to be like a sword piercing through your heart. And, can, and we've all had that feeling, I think, before. Like, I didn't know what that felt like until I had kids. And, like, one of them gets hurt or something happens. And I'm like, <gasps> no. You know? You're like, please, no. I don't want that to happen, right? It's like the worst feeling in the world. Like, you can get hurt, and you're like, I'm okay. And your kids get hurt. Like, when you think about that. And Simeon knew Mary would be sitting at the foot of the cross. All those years later, the Holy Spirit had told him, hey, here's what's going to happen. A sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This was a great burden, too. We think, you know, Mary and Joseph, they were used by God, but at the same time, they were going to have to go through great difficulty, great adversity. And many times we think, like, as we follow Jesus, that things will be, you know, easy. Things won't be difficult. Things will be like, oh, it'll be all, like we said, rainbows and butterflies. And even for Mary and Joseph, 
Simeon's given him some good, some, prepare, some words that are going to prepare him for the future. Not just that, hey, Jesus is going to come. Yes, he's going to save the world from their sins. But also, there's going to be great difficulty you're going to experience. You imagine the, the price and the emotional burden that they would have to carry leading up to the cross, knowing that what was going to take place. And there was going to be great joy at the resurrection, but you can imagine all those things leading up to to the crucifixion itself. And as Simeon's holding this little baby, I mean, I imagine like him being like overwhelmed. He's so overwhelmed by what he gets to do in this dedication, but he's also overwhelmed by the price that has to be paid. That This Jesus, he didn't just enter the scene to be that cute, cuddly little baby, right? He entered the scene so that he would grow up for us, that he would live that sinless life, that he would go to that cross, that sign that's opposed, that all, people would look at and go, criminal, fake, liar. But for the rest of us who believe, we'd receive eternal life. We'd look at this sign and we'd receive the salvation that Simeon talked about before Jesus even went to the cross. And it gives us as a reminder that as these things take place, takes place, grace is going to be costly for us. As Jesus went to the cross, we celebrate Christmas, we, we have to remember that there's this end goal. We always think about Christmas and Easter and we like celebrating Christmas and we look towards Easter and we go, oh, that one's tough, right? The crucifixion. You know, we don't like watching movies like The Passion of the Christ. We just like watching the, those nice, fluffy Christmas story movies. But if we understand the Christmas story in its totality, in full, we see that maybe there's a reason that an unlikely character like Simeon gets left off the block a lot of times when it comes to finishing out the Christmas story because he's got some hard truths that he shares with us. He says, salvation is coming. And it's going to be available to all people like we've heard before, like people have shared before. But it's going to come at a great cost. And it's going to be a burden to a lot of people. But the good news is, it's coming. And that's what we have to remember. So as we have this hopeful expectation uh, and we think about Christmas, we have to remember that as we, we kind of close this chapter, we go into the new year and we're like all going like, okay, what new you know, hobby or fad am I going to get into? Am I going to get into dieting or exercise or whatever it might be? We need to remember that the, the greatest hopeful expectation we can have is what Jesus has already done for us and that we're, gonna, we're looking towards heaven and what that's going to be like when we stand with him and go, man, as I, as I read that story, as I understood the Christmas story better, and I, I, I understood what Simeon was saying, that he had this hopeful expectation that he didn't sugarcoat. He said, salvation's coming, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to come at a cost. The good news is it's going to be available to all people. And as we look towards that, I can only imagine Mary and Joseph leaving that setting. They just dedicated their baby, and they're going, mixed feelings, maybe. Savior of the world in our arms. We have this great stewardship that we're going to have to, to bear and to take place, and, and looking forward to what was going to take place. Mary sitting at the foot of the cross knowing, I know what God said, and I believe the promise. How difficult would it have been in that situation to remember that, and three days later, go, I knew it. And everything that they did as parents leading up to that point, and what, what, what kind of confirmation would that have been for her? It didn't mean there was going to be the absence of pain, of difficulty, of strife, of the cost that had to be paid. But what it meant for us was this beautiful salvation that Jesus offered. And so as the baby came, as Simeon dedicated him, that law was fulfilled, his sight was fulfilled, so that the future could be revealed to man. Not everybody got it at that time, but aren't you glad? Like we sit... Over 2,000 years later, we've got this full revelation of God's word as we think about what he's done for us. And we think about the words that Simeon said, so hard for him to say, I bet, as he was thinking about what Jesus was going to do in the future. He goes, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be necessary. It's needed for our rescuing, our salvation. 
And I'm glad for that. I hope that you are. And I want to remind us as we close out this year, just some things to remember, um, some things that God has been doing, because I think we've been in this like <laughs> this up and down flow. And so I don't want to leave you in this place where we're kind of feeling down, but I want to remind you of some of the good things that God has done over the last really several years. Um, and I, I never anticipated, Christy and I talk about this often, when we came to the church, it was about six months before everything started with COVID and, and things started to change. And we go, but look back at what God has done. Maybe times have been difficult. And same thing, like Simeon was telling Mary and Joseph, hey, things, times are going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult leading up to this point. But God has brought us to this point for a reason. And I just want to remind us some of the things that he's done. Maybe just kind of as a celebration as we close out. And then I want to pray for us. Um, I think about what we've been able to do in the last several years like just having a baptistry that works, um, being able to have see people come into the waters uh, and be baptized, and that, that took a lot of hard work, and God blessed that opportunity for us to do this. Um, think about things just like simple things. Like we, you know, we work so hard on trying to take care of the building. It's an older structure. Um, just to remind us that that's, that's a good thing. God wants us to be good stewards. Uh, and I remember the conversation we had around like just getting the storm windows up, kind of how difficult that was. And then God just, he brought all the pieces into place for us to do that even more inexpensively than we thought it would be. And so that got taken care of. And then leading up to the point where we're able to kind of come back from, to be able to do some things like VBS and, and just thinking about all the stuff we've done in this space too, just kind of preparing it for ministry and what God would do. Um, this interior renovation, I thought kind of the, one of the coolest moments we had this last year was when uh, we had VBS and like all these storms were rolling in and we're like, what are we going to do? Oh, wait a minute. We just pulled a bunch of the pews out. And when we came over here, I saw all these kids with this parachute, like <laughs> throwing things up in the air. And that was just awesome to see. But, but it goes to show you, God, in a lot of ways, we don't know what's going to happen exactly, but he's prepared these blessings for us. Um, and then, too, just in the fall, being able to start the youth and the children's stuff up again and saying, God, what do you want us to do in the future? There's all these wonderful things that he's prepared. And so maybe instead of this season... And I like what Greg says. He's not here today. Um, he's out on work. But I um, like what he says when he shares uh, during the quiet time talk normally. Is maybe we just need to read a little bit more of our Bibles and turn off the TV a little bit more often. And know that there's going to be difficult times. There's going to be things that go on that we don't understand sometimes. But when we look towards this promise, and we have this hopeful expectation of what God has already done. And we just get to celebrate that together and go, God, what's the next thing? What's the next thing you're going to let us do to be effective in ministry? And so what I want to do is pray for us, but then just uh, make this appeal. Uh, maybe you're here today in person or you're online and you're going, I don't, I mean, I'm just hearing about Jesus for the first time and, and I don't really know what this is all about. What's this promise? What's this salvation? Well, we believe that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, um, that you admit you're a sinner. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody in this room. And you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he, yeah, he did come and he was born and we celebrate that at Christmas, but we also remember what he did for us in the cross and what Simeon said, he, that the salvation came and it came for us that we might have eternal life. And so if we confess that with our mouths, we believe that the scripture tells us that we'll be saved. Um, so maybe if you have questions about that, I don't know, maybe you're here in person online, I'll be here. I would love to reach uh, you to reach out to us online as well, if you'd want to talk about that. Uh, let me pray for us and we'll close. Uh, Father... We come to you today and thank you uh, for what you have done for us and all the uh, wonderful things you've done and um, seeing things change here, even in a difficult season. Um, God, we are thankful for the reminder that um, there are all these things that had to fall into place to be fulfilled uh, for Simeon, that he, he saw Jesus in person, 
before he went to the cross and he confirmed all these things for us, not just the easy things, not just the, the wonderful things to think about in salvation, but the difficult things, and that this would come at a cost. Um, God, I pray that we be reminded each day um, not to abuse this grace that we've been given, but to be so thankful, God, that we, we, we want to do everything that would please you. Uh, I pray in this Christmas season, as we kind of lead out of this, uh, that you would encourage our hearts to serve you wholeheartedly. Um, God, that we can look back and be thankful for what you have done in the last couple of years in the midst of all the difficulty and turmoil. Um, God, you've uh, blessed this place and this church family. I pray you would continue to do that. Um, God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, I hope everybody has a great...